Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, fight fans, to the big fight preview for Gennady Golovkin and Ryota Murata this coming weekend. And today I'm joined by my special guest, and I'm going to roll out the red carpet and bang the drums for the big dog, Luke from ITR Boxing. Luke, it's a pleasure having you on, as always, to bring your wonderful insight to this weekend's fights. Love being on, and I love the UK just as much as a, a true... UK fight fan does. I just got to say, Luki loves the UK. So this is it. The big fight then. Gennady Kolovkin back in the ring this weekend against Ryota Murata. WBA, IBF titles on the line. Looking at a little unification going on this weekend. And I'm really excited to see Golovkin back in the ring. And I'm looking at like where his career is going to go from this point forward. But... I think the biggest thing for me this weekend is he's got to get through this fight first. It's not like Murata's a pushover. I know he's not been in with the same level of his opposition as what Golovkin's been in with, but he's on a bit of a, what like Johnston likes to say, a bit of a purple patch at the moment. After losing to Rob Brandt in 2018, he come back and beat him in the rematch and then beat Stephen Butler in 2019, but he hasn't fought since then. But yet, obviously, he holds the WBA title at the moment and Golovkin holds the IBF title. Golovkin's been a little bit more active than Murata, but I'm just not sure whether this might be one of them fights where we could actually be very surprised with what Murata could do against Golovkin. Or is it going to be just another Golovkin performance where we think, right, well, what's next for him? You know, what's next for Golovkin at this point in time? What are your initial thoughts now we're in fight week for this particular fight? How do you see this playing out? Well, I mean, I don't know how I see it playing out. My gut feeling is Murata 
the book on him, or at least my book on him, and you can correct me because I'm I'm an author, but I might not be a good author, right? So I have a book, but I don't know if it's the right book. Is he either is going to hurt you early and then ride that momentum through the fight, or he has a tendency to get outboxed? Now the thing that worries me about this fight is Golovkin has a few things working against him. One, inactivity. Two, I believe it's his birthday, the day of the weigh-in. Don't love when people have their birthday during fight week because it always feels like, as silly as it sounds, distractions like, hey, happy birthday, all these type of things. He's coming off a long thing, a long break. I hate the fact that the Canelo fight is wink, wink, nudge, nudge, agreed to because it always feels like the boxing gods want to sprinkle something crazy in. And then add to it the last time we had a real big shocker in Japan was Mike Tyson, Buster Douglas. So this is a venue outside of Joshua Ruiz. We have seen the world change in this perspective over there. To me, it, it comes down to what Golovkin exists now. The Golovkin of his prime beats Murata. That being said, if there's a lot of slippage with his defense and he's a tad bit slower and he's getting hit, Murata is the type of guy who will beat a Gennady Golovkin. So I think this really just comes down to what Golovkin exists at this point. It's, it's very interesting that you say that because I think a lot of people look at Golovkin and forget, you know, that he's he is an aging fighter. He is getting older. I know he looks after himself. The one thing I will say about Golovkin is I've I've always noted throughout his career he he has looked after himself. He's kept himself in relatively good shape throughout the whole of his career. He's not been one of these fighters that just blows up in between the fights. He he, he lives he lives the life of a professional boxer or what you expect a professional boxer to live. And I think that that's probably helped him with his longevity in the sport so far. But I think this weekend's going to be a, a good telling factor as to what he has left, as you rightly pointed out. I think, like, for me... We're going to either get to see two things here on, on, on Saturday night. We're either going to have to get to see Gennady Kolovkin age or we're going to get to see Gennady Kolovkin look like that Canelo fight, that, that nudge, nudge, wink, wink, as, 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 you know, he's ready for it. He's ready for that third fight. He's ready for that trilogy. I honestly can't see him not ending his career without fighting Canelo one more time. And I think he's got to put on a great performance against Murata. Murata obviously has been beaten before. Gennady Golovkin arguably beaten. Yes, it says it on his resume. People have their own perception about that Canelo fight where he lost on points to him. But Gennady Golovkin, for, for all intents and purposes, is, you know, he's not really had anybody there other than Canelo. That's that's put that pressure on him. That's challenged him to the point where I feel has is, is, is caused him to go into fourth and fifth gears throughout his career. I think the Canelo fights for me are the only ones where I've genuinely looked at that fight and gone, you know, these are really, really tough, close fights between him and, and Canelo. Whereas throughout the rest of his career, all I've all really seen is him quite destructively or, or quite systematically break down his opponents over the course of eight, nine, 10, 12 rounds, whatever it may be. So I think like you say, it's going to really depend on what he has got, how much that inactivity will have affected him, and is he overlooking, is he looking past it? I'd like to think he isn't, because this is an opportunity for him to go in there with the WBA and IBF World Middleweight titles. I'm assuming that the fight with Canelo would be middleweight or super middleweight. I'm not, I'm not so sure on that myself. I don't know if you can shed any light on, on, on that one at all, Lukey, but 
I think for me, he's got to win this fight if that Canelo trilogy is to mean something. So, uh, Murata's the WBA world middleweight champion. I believe Golovkin's the IBF. The, the simply put, the way I look at this fight is if Golovkin fights the way he fought against Dervianchenko in another fighter's hometown who's a massive puncher, keep that in mind. That's what I want your listeners to understand. Murata is a gold medal Olympian, but he is by no means a boxer. He is a big puncher who changes fights with big power. He is there to be outboxed, but that said, he hits very hard. And if Golovkin gets hit flush, he will get rocked. It's not an if, he will. That being said, if Golovkin still has elements of how he fought Lemieux, Daniel Jacobs, this should be a fairly dominant decision, right? I don't see him stopping uh, Murata because he's a big guy. I just don't love when there's already a fight ahead of you. You're fighting in another fighter's hometown. You've been out of the ring. And the way I've heard about fighters getting old from fighters is, you get in the ring, you feel fine, you had a great camp, you get in there, and then all of a sudden things don't work the same. What about Murata then? You know, his thoughts going into this this particular fight. I mean, you've you've made a lot of good points about him as a fighter, uh, about where he's at in his career as well. And obviously he knows that there's this, this fight signed, sealed and delivered kind of with Canelo for Golovkin. So for him, does it put more emphasis on motivation for him going in there and causing uh, I wouldn't even say it's an upset if, if, if he wins I mean you might might think it is but I mean look at look at what Murata's done in his career and the way he has come back and the way he's put himself back in this position the way he's got this WBA title and he's and he's done so in, in emphatic fashion he's showing that that punch is is going to be a problem for fighters like Golovkin and if Golovkin like you say fights like he did against Arivanchenko then you know there's going to be a problem there's going to be a serious problem is is there a is there because it's in his in his home country as well I think the point I'm trying to make is he's got all this sort of motivation he's got the the he's got so much more to be motivated for this fight than what what I think Golovkin has and I think if I'm Murata I'm thinking well, it's, it's happening in my home country. I'm the WBA champ. Gennady Golovkin's one of the most feared middleweights of the last 10, 15 years. You know, he's been in some of the great fights over the years. He's got this IBF title. I want it. I want the Canelo fight. Why should he get this fight? Surely, when you look at it from that perspective, that surely lights a fire under his ass. Well, if you think about it this way, right? Most of the world is expecting Murata to get knocked out. So he has nothing to lose. Then you expect probably half of Japan expects him to lose in some fashion. So he's coming in with no expectations from the public about his performance. And I always feel like this is similar to Daniel Jacobs. If you remember Daniel Jacobs versus Golovkin, I thought Jacobs beat Golovkin. And part of why I think Jacobs did so well was everyone wrote him off. So he just was like, okay, do you believe in miracles? I remember that was the fight week moniker. Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in miracles? Daniel, the miracle Jacobs. And he really channeled, there's no expectation for me going into this fight. So what this, this monster has to fight like a monster, I'm going to go out and perform. And I think that against a big puncher like Murata, who might get spirited on by the pro Japanese crowd, who to see their guy come out and fight Golovkin, who's a legend, you really want to silence the crowd quickly if you're Gennady Golovkin. You really want to take the crowd out of this fight quick. 
because you don't want Murata to start to feel like he could win and you don't want him to have extra motivation, especially early on. So that sort of leads nicely into, you know, how, how this fight in some ways could possibly play out. I mean, looking at the way Golovkin has fought in his last few outings, I expect him to come out and try to force the pace early on. I think he's going to try and stamp his authority early on in this fight. As you pretty aptly said there about silencing that crowd early on, I think if he hurts Murata early on in the fight or possibly even puts him down early in the fight, I think that might actually then dampen that crowd. It might take that confidence out of Murata. And I think if if he does that, which I anticipate he's going to try to do, then that leads me to believe that Golovkin will have a a relatively straightforward three-quarter fight. The first few will be quite cagey, but I think from four or five onwards, if he does hurt him and, and it's visibly noticeable or he puts him down, then I think that's where Golovkin takes over and I think he wins that fight. But if you're, if you're Murata, on the other hand, I think if you're trying to beat a Gennady Kolovkin, I think you'd ne- you need to do something similar, to be honest, which could create complete fireworks for this fight. If you're Murata, you know you've got that big punch. You know you've got the opportunity to hurt a guy who's shown that he, he wasn't, he isn't what he once was. That, that, that's, that's something we've noticed in the last few fights. I think he's a little bit easier to hit than what he once was. And I think Murata hits him. We're gonna know he's gonna know about it. And I think we're gonna see how that's gonna play out on, on Golovkin. So I think if Murata hits him early, then we're gonna to get to see what Golovkin or where Golovkin is at and, and how that will affect him for the fight going forward. Would he be able to sustain it? Would he be able to adapt to it? Would he be able to move forward? Or will it put him into his shell a little bit? If you're a rata for me, Luca, you're putting pressure on him, you're not giving him the opportunity to work, you're throwing in them shots, you're throwing the combinations, you're, you're making Golovkin smother as much of his work as he possible, and you're not giving him room to breathe. I think that's what I'd want to see him do if I was in his corner and I was saying to him look this is what I think you're going to need to try and do against this guy because if you give him any room to breathe and you let him fight at his own pace it's going to be an easier night for him I mean this is why I like coming on this program you're making good points so I don't have to make those points and it's just a it's a great thing I think this fight as we keep going back to it comes back to what version of Golovkin exists he's obviously a hall of famer the best version of Golovkin we can talk about his resume his resume is not the greatest But if you look at the eye test, he was one of the guys, right? And beyond being one of the guys, he built an emotional connection with the fans. And I think that that's part of the Hall of Fame sauce, too, is you have to build a relationship with a group of people. And during his era, even though he wasn't fighting the greatest of opponents, people cared, they tuned in, and they enjoyed what it was, right? That being said, I've always felt like Whenever we've had a fighter that had a legendary chin, whether it's Ali or whoever it might be, there tends to be a fight where they have a fight where they go down. And Golovkin hasn't had that fight. And a part of me feels like this might be the fight because Murata is a huge puncher. Now, my good friend Dakota brought up a great point, too, where he said, Lukey, and I go, yeah, Dakota, what's going on? He goes, you say all this stuff about Golovkin and this and that. Well, what's the difference between him and Manny Pacquiao after Pacquiao lost a horn? I mean, Pacquiao beats beats Lucas Matisse, beats a couple guys, and then we're like, oh, Pacquiao's still good. 
And he goes, is Golovkin that much different than where Pacquiao was at? Like, he could beat Murata. He could beat Canelo. And then all of a sudden, we're talking about how he's not the same guy, and he still beats everybody. So I think this is a big fight for Golovkin and Golovkin fight fans because it kind of gives us a direction. We've seen a lot of different variants. Really good Golovkin, kind of lesser than prime Golovkin. Who is the Golovkin at this point coming off of a lot of rest? What is Golovkin in 2022? Well, we're going to find out, aren't we, on Saturday night? And I suppose that leads us nicely into a prediction. And I'm going to ask you for a prediction. I'm going to give you mine first, though. I'm going to give you my prediction first. And I'm going to say that I think Golovkin does win. I think we've talked about a bit of analysis. We've talked about the ifs and the buts and the, the maybes and the shoulda, woulda, coulda's. But ultimately, I think that he does win. And I think he wins on points. And I think he will... He will stamp his authority early. That's what I do think. And he will... I won't necessarily say he'll silence the crowd per se, but I do think he'll he'll do enough to let Murata know that he's still a threat. He's still dangerous. Don't open up your defences too much to let Golovkin in. And I think that's what will tell us the, the story on the night. And I do think he wins this fight. Uh, if I'm not really much of a gambling man, but... If I was going to put my money on anything this weekend, I would be looking at maybe a Golovkin stoppage between 9 and 12. But my ultimate prediction would be that I think he wins this on points. I'm going Murata split decision. And I'm not saying that he wins the fight, but I'm thinking if it goes to the cards, we're going to see. I think this is going to be a very competitive fight. I think there's going to people are grossly underestimating what Murata does. And I think that Murata is going to win a split decision that's kind of weird because this is kind of in boxing history. This is when these weird fights happen. We're going to get the forced rematch between Golovkin and Murata that we totally don't want. You know, this is what typically happens. So I'm going to go with that. So let's move on. We've done our predictions. There are a few other fights going on this weekend that I wanted to get your thoughts and feelings and opinions on. And the first one is Ericsson Lubin versus Sebastian Fundora in the super welterweight division. I think this is a brilliant fight, a great fight, and it forms part of a bit of a double header with Tony Harrison and Sergio Garcia also on the undercard in the super welterweight division. And it just reminded me yet again, looking at this, these fights this weekend, that the super welterweight division is, is vastly underrated in terms of the level of quality that we've got in there at the moment. I don't feel like it sort of sits behind a few other divisions in terms of the marquee divisions or the divisions that people sort of go to to look for certain fighters and certain fights. But I think Lubin versus Fundora, this 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 fight this weekend, is a fight that I don't think anybody should be sleeping on. Because if anybody's not seen Sebastian Fundora, yeah, just to put it into context, this is the six foot five super welterweight who's you know, he's the size of a heavyweight in the super welterweight division. And yet so far in his career Every test and every every level he's been stepped up at, he's, he's succeeded in. And he's going in against a guy who's fought at the highest level with that one loss on his record. What are your thoughts and feelings about this fight? Yeah, I mean, my big thinking is this is a fantastic... You can tell what's a good fight by the odds makers. They started this fight's line at negative 120, negative 120. Lubin is starting to rise up as the favorite, but Fandora is still a very close underdog. There's a lot of questions we need answering. I think the only reason a lot of fight fans aren't looking at this as the marquee bout it is, 
is because Lubin's coming off the first round knockout that was about as bad of a knockout as you could have in pro boxing where he got knocked out in the first round, dramatically couldn't get up. And Fandora had that draw with Jamate Clark. So I think in some fight fans' minds, both fighters have had kind of setbacks that have kind of hurt their career arc trajectory where they maybe not, they might not have that polished record and Hall of Fame potential that maybe people want from a Showtime main event. That being said, this fight comes down to Erickson Lubin has all the skill and the power in the world. We just don't know if he can take a punch at the world-class level. Fondora, we know he's incredibly tough. We know he has a ton of volume. Does he have the defense to exist and allow his pressure style to fully be utilized at the world-class level? So it is, can Fondora's pressure and toughness beat the overall probably skill advantage of Erickson Lubin because it's not rocket science. Fandora is going to let Lubin get on the inside. He's not going to use that height advantage you talked about. He's not going to be doing it when he was most, when he was struggling the most, in my opinion, in his last fight against Sergio Garcia was when he was boxing, when he was banging with him, he was having more success. It's who his identity as a fighter is. I truly don't know who's going to win this fight. I go back and forth on this. It's a really difficult fight to predict, to be honest with you, because I think on, on one hand, you've got a guy with all the, uh, ability and the skill and, and already proven at a certain level uh, coming off the loss that you said was a, a horrific terrible knockout as you as you rightly pointed out but you know these these things do happen in boxing how many times have we seen someone come off the back of a bad loss like that and go on to do so much in the sport Amir Khan, great example lost to Brady's Prescott look what he went to do on in his career after that Erickson Lubin could be another 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 version you know he could be a guy that comes off that bad loss now and, and goes on to do so much in the super welterweight division but fundora this is the biggest test of his career so far and if if he's got a let, i think he's got to let lubin come in on the inside i think he has to let him come in and i think he has to he has to trade with him i think we've seen it and you've pointed it out that he seems to look at his best and at his strongest when he does trade with him, surprisingly, contrary to, to his physical attributes, he actually, you know, he, he fights like uh, your average five foot nine, five foot ten super welterweight, but he's just six foot five, and it just looks strangely abnormal for him to be so tall and and and, and rangy for that division. But yet, so far, he's he's for the most part, he's backed it all up, and his last victory, Sergio Garcia, who fights on that undercard is the biggest victory to date. Sergio Garcia with 33 wins on his record at that point and gets beaten by Fundora. And now Fundora's in this potential potential fight for him where he wins this this interim WBC uh, super welterweight title as a result of it. And it puts him in the position to obviously fight for the full version of it going forward. So it is a really good fight. And, and, and I think it's getting slept on a little bit in terms of, of what's going on this weekend. And then on the undercard, you've got Tony Harrison and then you've got Sergio Garcia, which... Again, you know, these two guys are looking to bounce back and put themselves back into that position to, to fight a champion in the Super Welterweight division again. So these two guys have got it all on the line in this particular fight as well. So I'm interested to know that as the sort of chief support to, to the main fight, I think could even potentially be a bit of a show stealer. Yeah, I mean, in the co-main, I'm expecting to see uh, Sergio Garcia bring everything he has. And the, the difference in that fight is we all know Tony Harrison is a world championship level fighter. The question is, can he maintain his focus? Because it's to me, people bring up conditioning and all that. 
it's never a conditioning thing. It's just like Tony loses focus in fights and he'll be he'll be dog walking people 8-0, 9-0, and then he loses focus and gets brutally knocked out. It's a common theme in his fights. And I think that against a guy like Sergio Garcia, who doesn't hit relatively hard, but we know what he's going to do. He's going to apply a lot of pressure. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Tony really needs to show us the fight fans, the people that pay, the pundits, all that that he can put together a well-rounded, well-focused, mentally in the fight, all of the rounds, all the durations, because he's fought all the guys in the era and he's never quite been outclassed. It's just been these small lapses. So I think for him coming off his last performance against Bryant Perella, who's also on this card, it was a draw. And I think it was a, a fight where he felt, many people felt it was very underwhelming. And I believe that that was one of the first, if not the first fight since he had lost his father. So I think that he was carrying a lot of emotional baggage. So I'm curious to see what Tony we see in this fight, because I'm hoping to see the Tony from the first Jermel Charlo fight, the Tony that we know is capable of being there. And I think this is going to be a very telling fight for Tony Harrison's story as a boxer as a historian so the other fight that's happening this weekend that I wanted to talk to you about Ryan Garcia social media mogul Ryan Garcia that's what he seems to be becoming more than known for his uh for his boxing ability these days Ryan Garcia Emmanuel Tago this weekend as well uh I've talked about this with you prior to doing our preview show and I'd said Maybe that this could be a straightforward fight for Garcia. But, you know, the more I think about it now and the more I think about what I have seen of Tago, I think actually he's going to probably cause Ryan Garcia some problems that he's not dealt with before. Or, in fact, he will cause him problems that he's not dealt with before. And it is going to be about how Garcia adapts to Tago to show if he really is the, at the level where he thinks he is and what he says he is. Yeah, I mean, I'm Tago is going to be one of these guys that no one really wants to fight. Now, I'm not sure he's capable of beating 
Brian Garcia, but at the same time, remember Javier Centeno of Sweatbox Gym. That's the same trainer who worked with George Cambosis. Tego has Peter Kahn, Fight Game Advisors in his corner. He has a solid team behind him, Lou Bella, all these people. He's going to come in well-prepared. He's a grown man, and I think that's something also people are looking at as a bad thing. We're looking at a man who knows who he is, who's coming from another country to, to change his life and compete at the highest level of the sport. I believe he has a family member that was also tremendous at boxing as well and is like viewed as a, a historical great in Africa boxing. I, it's just not coming to me. Ryan Garcia, there's a lot of what ifs. Does Ryan know who he is? I'd like to say probably not. He's kind of finding himself. He's a very attractive um, boxing dude who I think a lot of women and a lot of people who want to look at attractive people, like we're talking in our pre-show meeting, right? There's this, the, what the internet and apps and photos have done is attractive people don't need talent anymore. They just need to be attractive. We're like, oh man, I want to look at someone attractive. It's like, well, what do they do? Well, they're just attractive. They're, we created a word for an attractive person. It's called an influencer. They don't really have a talent, but they're really hot. And if we hold, it used to be model, right? We used to say, oh, they're a model. They show up and then they try. Now it's like they're their own individual entity. They don't really have talent, but they look great. And then they learn how to through their physical good looks, they learn how to sell things and companies attach them to these hot people and so on and so forth. I think the thing is we've never seen an influencer as a boxer. Boxing's been highly uninfluenced. It's been irrelevant, right? It's the opposite of it. So when we have someone who's influential but ha doesn't even seem to acknowledge the career arc we want our fighters to follow, such as try to be a Hall of Famer, try to chase world titles, take long periods, talk about mental health, which is like a big no-no in boxing, which I'm actually fine with him speaking on because I think that's a good thing. But at the same time, how many boxers speak about mental health while they're in there? Very few. I think we have to figure out what Ryan's plan is. Is he a business that's going to show up and just fight and get people motivated and go for the knockout? Or is Ryan Garcia chasing a world title? Because the guys in his weight class are now kind of beyond him. They're kind of a bit further than when they were all paired together. So Tego, to me, has a lot more, he knows where he is at life, where Ryan has a lot more questions. Yeah, and I'm hoping we get to see a few more answers on Saturday night, early hours of Sunday for, for UK fight fans. I think... With Ryan, he's for me, he's, he's been hit and miss. Like, when I've seen him on form, I've been thinking to myself, this guy has got the talent to go forward and, and be, as as De La Hoya said, the next Oscar De La Hoya. He's, he seems to have that talent in the locker there, but it's like it's not been fully brought to the forefront yet because there's this other side of him that he's struggling with where it's this influence inside, it's this social media star, the society is being, he's adapting to what society is at the moment, which is what you've, 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 you've explained greatly there, Lukey. And I think he's torn between the two. That's the sort of gist I get. And the, and the vibe I get from him is he's a bit torn between where he is between the two at the moment. And until he finds out where he actually is, I think that's when we'll know whether or not he is this generational talent that everybody seems to be hyping him up to be. I think that the upside for Ryan, like I was looking at these Cuban pro boxers and I know you're like, come on, man, I got contract obligations. I got to make good content. Why are we talking Cuban boxing? But I was looking because they just said Cuban pro boxers. 
Cuban can Cuba can now allow fighters to be pros, right? And I was looking at the upside, and there's a guy like Arlen Lopez, and his basement is really high. So, like at the worst place, he's going to be a serviceable pro boxer. But I have no clue what his ceiling is. And there's many of the Cubans are higher ceilings than um, Arlen Lopez. But really, the the return on investment, the basement is very low that he would be a bad pro. I think the crazy thing about Ryan Garcia is we're X amount of years into his career and we don't know where the basement is and we don't know where the ceiling is. We think the ceiling can be in the stars and the basement could be below dirt. We don't know where it is because whenever his career gets going, we hit a, we hit a stop start. It's like, okay, he took on Carlos Morales and then we take a step back. Okay, he takes on Jason Velez. We take a step back. Okay, he takes on Luke Campbell. He gets off the deck. He proved doubters wrong. And then there's a huge period of inactivity. I understand the mental health component. But now you kind of people forget that performance you had. And it's very strange to have a young fighter because at least Gervonta Davis, we can say he might not have faced the most elite competition yet. But we know where a ceiling is, and we have a rough idea of the basement. Devin Haney, we have rough ideas. Can you think of another fighter in Ryan Garcia's predicament where we really don't have a base on what the ceiling and basement is? I don't think there is many out there, is there, that I can think of off the top of my head. I think we're going to get to see a little bit more from him this weekend. I'm hoping we do. I'm hoping we get to see a little bit more from him and maybe we get a few more questions answered off the back of that. But something that I did want to touch on with you and you've already alluded to it and given us a bit of info on it was the this news about Cuban boxing. How huge is this? How huge is this new 60 years since Cuban boxers were allowed to be pros and now they've made this decision within Cuba to do this. I think this is huge news. I think this is... In some ways, it's going to change the landscape a little bit of the sport. I kind of get the feeling that with all that talent that is amassed in Cuba, for them to be allowed to be turned professional within their own country without them having to emigrate to a different country to do that, I think it's going to. I think it's going to have a significant impact. And you think about all the 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 amateur side of the sport and the Olympians and all these guys that were Cuban Olympians that never turned over pro. I mean, Tiafilo Stevenson, the most prime example of it. I mean, we always wanted to see Tiafilo versus Muhammad Ali. That was the fight that that should have happened that never did. And I mean, there's so many other generational talents within Cuba and within the Cuban amateur system that never end up turning pro. I think this is going to be not groundbreaking for the sport, but it's definitely going to make a significant impact on it. I agree. And I think also just from a humane standpoint, I like the fact that Cuban boxers now have a little bit of leverage. They don't have to sign with uh, circumstances that are dangerous to leave the country, maybe sign with a manager and Reagan Diaz situation that seemed completely wrong and seemed to derail what was going on with him I, i'm not an expert on his career but it seemed like a big issue was basically he didn't have any leverage and got into a weird contract that being said don't expect the cubans to take over pro boxing because they're pro they're 60 years behind on the pro game so i mean i think we're going to see guys like arlen lopez and andy cruz have success but I see a name like Julio de la Cruz who got knocked out by Khalil Cole, who relies a lot on athleticism. And it's a really great style for a three round fight. But how will that style look in a 12 round fight? I could eat my own words and someone could make a video of this clip. And I would just seem so stupid. 
but there's going to be some Cubans where they're not going to transition well. And you know what people say when they do that? Well, amateur boxing isn't the same as pros and this and that. And I think that is true, but it's also, there's a cultural way Cuban boxing has been built in which it's to win specific types of fights in a specific manner. And I think that the Cubans are, are some of the best at boxing and learning how to win. But the thing they need to improve on is the inside fighting. And that's why Arlen Lopez to me is such a, interesting prospect is he can fight on the inside i'm curious to really see i don't know if this era is going to be the era but maybe in one more era when these prime cubans are able to come because i guess the big like work they can end up the big issue still is let's get business right let's be boring business hour where do the tv rights deals go for cuban boxers where do they leverage that? Because that's who they're competing against when you're looking for a professional contract. Where's the TV's rights deal? If we're going to sign you over a UK fighter, an American fighter, or a Mexican fighter, and then where are the fans? Because the fans are still not allowed to travel to America. So if there's a fight in Vegas, are Cuban, Cuban Americans, are they proud to be Cuban? Would they pay to see? Obviously, if you have a special fighter, special fighters change everything. But I guess my question is, just because they're pro, Will there be enough fans to support this initially in America? I think it's going to take a, a generation, like you said, like an era, a generation, uh, a decade or so before the impact of this decision really comes to fruition. Because you've got to think of things have got to be set up now in a way where it can allow these TV rights to be distributed fairly, where shows can be promoted fairly, where things can start to get off the ground a little bit more. It's a, it, it, for, for Cuban boxing fans and for, for Cuban boxers who want to be professional, this is life-changing for them, absolutely life-changing for them. And, and it might inspire another generation of young Cuban kids to come through and actually say, you know, that's what I want to do with my life. I want to be a, a professional boxer. And, and, and I hope it has that effect, I really do. But I do think there's going to be a lot of work behind pushing the Cuban boxing system to a certain level that it needs to be at. It's got to get to a benchmark. I recently interviewed a fighter from Malta and, and the sort of stories he was telling me about, you know, where where Maltese boxing is at the moment, it's, it's years behind like the US and the UK. And I think Cuba, again, is another country where it's going to be a good few years behind the bigger countries that have already got this solid foundation that are producing star after star after star. It's going to take a good few years before Cuba gets to that level. But I think when it does, and I hope it does, it, it, it provides so much more competition. It provides so much more uh, variety in the sport and, and, and it, it brings the sport up with it as well and I'm hoping it does have that effect and not the opposite effect but only time's going to tell but I think it's it's a significant decision that's been made and I think it it was I was only right that it got mentioned in this episode because I am so pleased that it's happened that now the future does look a little bit brighter for the sport I'm also going to be curious who invests money into this and who what like i saw that there's a a promotional company but who are the managers that are going to target the cubans because at some point there's going to be influential people in the boxing industry that will help bridge over certain cuban fighters and i'm going to be curious which managers which promotions are going to try to co-promote cuban boxers because i have a gut feeling 
it's going to be one or two networks at most, but it's probably going to be just one network, which is the Cuban boxing network. We're going to bring the Cubans over to this side. And I think that's going to also be telling because I think, imagine if a program like your program got really talented Cuban boxers and you got to tell their life stories, it would be incredible. But at the same time, imagine if you get as much promotion as Lubin and Fondora are getting where it's like, it's literally a fight. I tried today to watch a preview show. There's no preview show that I can find as of Tuesday, April 5th. It, they're not going to sell on their own. And I think that I put this tweet out and Regis and Rick Marie and reshared it. Thank you to both of those celebrities. Boxing needs more storytelling in visual and audio form. We need more of these stories. Like Lubin Fondora is a great example. It's a great fight. But I'm not as enthused as I could be if I had have seen the training camp a bit and heard some of the motivations and heard some of the anecdotes from camp because that really pushes a fight fan over the edge. It creates an emotional connection. And we got to get back to these things where we're emotionally connected into fights rather than it's like um, just boxing match after boxing match after boxing match where it's like a machine pumping out fights, but we don't have emotional connections to the fights. Well, to be honest with you, that lacking of promotion does happen at the highest level. Tuesday, April 5th, we're recording this fight preview for Golovkin and Murata. On the 23rd of April in the UK, it's one of the biggest heavyweight fights for a very long time. Probably biggest heavyweight fight since Lewis and Bruno in 1993, featuring two heavyweights for a heavyweight title. Yet, we're, what, three and a half weeks away from it, and there's absolutely hardly anything going around social media about this fight and the promotion of this fight. The undercard has been announced uh, today, and the undercard is poor. I'll be honest with you, it's poor. It's 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 not justifiable of the pay-per-view price, especially in the UK and probably more so in America because you guys get charged triple what we get charged here in the UK for it. And yet it all boils down to perfect storytelling. You don't you just need to tell a story about a fight and there's a story behind Tyson Fury, Dillian White, and sometimes they can't even do it at the highest level. And what you're saying about the Cuban boxing system and the way that gets gets brought up is if they don't do that from day one with something like that, it could fall flat on its face before it even gets going. And, and I know that's the point you're trying to make. And it's concerning when they can't even do it with a fight as big as Fury versus White. I mean, look at like Errol Spence Ugas. That's an interesting story, right? And we're not even getting that story told. It just feels like networks aren't getting the amount of viewers in America that they'd hope from boxing as opposed to other sports. Because of that, my guess would be budgets might not be as big. And when the budgets aren't as big, people still want to make a good sum of money. So they're not going to, they're not going to risk their salary to put forth an entertaining thing. When the network is saying, we're just not getting enough viewership. And I appreciate the PBCs and the, the match rooms and even top rank, who have been brave to try to tell stories and gone out on their own dime. But I also understand when we're coming out of a pandemic, everyone's broke. There's financial, there's financial restrictions. At a certain point, people are going to say, look, we've been doing all these programmings and it's not showing a return. We're just going to have to make these fighters fight and just do the fights. Well, it's a big issue at the moment, I think. And, with the prices of a lot of things going up in general, uh, in particular here in the UK, the price of literally everything has gone up uh, at the turn of the new financial year here in the UK. Anybody 
who's listening UK fight fan wise, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. The price of petrol, the price of food, your heating, you know, you're going to be choosing whether to eat or, or whether to heat yourself this year. And that's how dire the situation has become in, 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 in the UK in particular. And it's, it's sad that it's going to create some poverty in, in a country which is supposed to be one of the richest in the world. And it's, it's, it happens in massive parts of America. I, I totally get it there as well, and it happens there. It's just it's just a shame that, you know, with, with a sport as, as, as great as what we have and what we love to talk about, that these types of issues are, are becoming more prevalent. And is it is it what you say it is? Is it the lack of money? Is it the lack of funding? Or is it the generation that we're in? Do they rely solely on the fact that people will will consume things in a different way now so rather than creating an hbo 24 7 documentary they'll create something which is a bit of a short snapshot for youtube because they think well actually people are just going to go and watch it on youtube or they'll just watch it on this instead so rather than creating a a wonderful tale leading into a fight which to me would probably sell more pay-per-view buys and more tickets they'll just create something like a bit of a short bite of a, of a, of a fight, like a 10, 15 minute segment on YouTube uh, to promote the fight. And th- that doesn't really do any justice to, to what but we don't even is. get those. No, we don't well, even get those because like Garcia Tago, right? I want a 10 minute segment, eight minutes on Ryan, two minutes on Tago. There's nothing. There's nothing. That's the problem. That is the problem. You've nailed it right on the head. Uh, we don't even get that. And that is another conversation that I'm sure we'll get into for another day because I'm sure there's going to be many more instances this year where we're going to talk about that. But for, for this one, Luki, for our big fight preview, Gennady Kolovkin, Ryota Morata, we've talked about this fight, we've talked about the analysis of how it could go down we've made our predictions for the fight i'm looking forward to it it's a great fight this weekend and i hope that the guys that i've been listening you guys and girls have enjoyed this episode you've enjoyed listening to mine and lukey's opinion you can give lukey a follow as always at itr boxing on the youtube channel and at lukey boxing on twitter of course as well please do go and check out all the great guests he has on his show and if you enjoy lukey going on a bit of a, a, a rant Definitely go and check out some of his episodes. We've got some great stuff on there. Well, you're a good friend. I love coming on. This is a show that, um, what's it called? A lot of times, like a trope is people go, oh, I hate doing the boxing media. I love doing the boxing media. I love talking with boxing people, but I really love talking with you because the the thing I was thinking about earlier is how boxing media kind of tells the same story over and over, whereas others coverage, I look at tennis, I look at golf. NBA, there's all these different perspectives. And what I love coming on this program is we can tackle different ideas to topics everyone else is talking about. And it's it gives me a lot of hope coming off of your program because I think that what bums me out is boxing is turning into really boring, bad business hour where people are trying to like break down the business of it. And it's just not fun for me. And I'm just hoping that over this next five years, we start to hear new stories told, new ways of presenting problems, new ways of looking at problems, because I think that's how we're going to grow the sport is through more compelling coverage that's just interesting to other people. And with that in mind, Fight fans, that is the wrap for the Big Fight Preview, Golovkin versus Murata this weekend. Make sure you go and check that out on DAZN. I think it's on DAZN, or at least in America, it's on in DAZN. I know in Japan, it's on Amazon Plus. I have no clue 
what it's on in the UK, because now we have these licensing rights deals where it's not one universal thing. Well, if if you can't catch it on there, I've got some good friends over at Daz TV on Twitter who will be able to actually facilitate you being able to see all these big fights this weekend. Go and check them out at Daz TV on Twitter. They're available on there. But that is everything for this big fight preview. Gennady Golovkin and Ryota Morata this weekend. WBA, IBF titles on the line. Also, Erickson Lubin, Sebastian Fundora, Tony Harris and Sergio Garcia and Ryan Garcia and Emmanuel Tago. Some great fights this weekend happening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. As always, the Big Fight Preview. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.